Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we've got another fun game to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 429. At the top of today's show, we've got three and out where I chat with my buddy Chris McPherson to go through the most important things surrounding this Eagles team right now. Sitting at 10 and 1, what is on the forefront of C-Max mind? That can often be a scary place to go, but we're going to find out with Chris at the top of the show. After that, we've got Chalk Talk, where Ben Fennell and I do a deep dive into this matchup, going through the tape. What are the things you need to watch on both sides of the football? Eagles game plan, just about done production so far for this week. So we'll get into that show, what it means for the matchup on Sunday, and what we expect to see from this Eagles-Titans game. We'll hit that on, on all of that in that segment. Then, to close out the show with Faux Focus, I catch up with an old friend from his days here in Philadelphia. That is ESPN's Teron Davenport, who covers the Titans for the worldwide leader. He knows this Titans team so well, is absolutely a go-to source for everything about that squad, and we're going to pick his brain to close out the show. Before we get there, a couple things want to make sure we hit on. Number one, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Appreciate everybody that has thrown us your support here over the last few weeks. And also, be sure to go check out some more of our X's and O's content. If you didn't already, go check out the All-22 review. I did my thorough tape breakdown on the Eagles win over the Packers. You can check that out over on the Eagles YouTube page or wherever you get your Eagles video content. Also, coming up soon, I've got Eagles game plan, obviously. And one of those segments in Eagles game plan, tape study. It's where I catch up with an Eagles coach every single week on the show. And this week, Our guest was Eagles quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson. So we broke down Jalen Hurts and his legendary performance against the Green Bay Packers. Here's some bites from that interview. Again, we call it tape study on Eagles game plan. Just an outstanding performance from Jalen Hurts this past week against Green Bay. First quarterback in NFL history to run for 150, throw for 150, and throw for at least two touchdowns. What else can you say about this performance from Jalen? Well, yeah, he played a great game. Um, You know, credit him and, and his preparation and his studying uh, the, the team around him. We played great. Offensive line played well. Receivers made plays. You know, it was just overall just a, a great team win for us. It's just an, an X factor with the ball in his hands. It's something that not it's a luxury that not every NFL team obviously has. Having him back there, the ability to beat you both inside structure in a play like this and also outside of structure as well. For sure. You know, we just try to find ways to create conflict for the defense. Mm. That's one of the deals. When you get guys in man-to-man coverage, obviously when teams play man-to-man, nobody has the quarterback. He's not accounted for. Right. So there's no one playing man on the quarterback. So just an opportunity for us to exploit uh, what the defense is doing when we get single high man. Now you talk about the, the, also those scramble situations as well where it's not necessarily drawn up that way, but he's got that ability to create. What, what is the, the give and take and the coaching points there with Jalen in those kind of situations where it's third and long, hey, you've got green grass, you can go and go ahead and take that. Yeah, absolutely. Grass. You can go back to the first third down of the game right. and, um, you know, we got him in man-to-man coverage and again, in man coverage, nobody has the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the route broke down. He was able to uh, to create some space and some separation make a great ball fake and then uh, get into the open field where he can where he can be really dynamic and explosive. So uh, anytime you have a quarterback that can that can do that stuff and create those explosive plays off schedule uh, is a nightmare for defenses. Uh, you talked about real quick the footwork from Jalen as well, but even how long he's able to hold this mesh point. I know back in your playing days, it was uh, the ride and decide. That was the, the, the big uh, the big buzzword uh, with those kind of plays, and he he holds that one really well. Yeah, absolutely. He does a great job of, of really, we talk about just getting the ball in the back's belly, mm. right? And now you really have from hip to hip to make that decision. So um, as you can see how he kind of steps with his back foot first, right? So when we're on this flat path like like this to give the back just clearance right in case he does have to give it so now the back can bubble around and make us right but just a great job of having really detailed footwork and a really detailed landmark in the run game understanding right that this gap scheme is going to hit on the inside hip of that second puller mm. so that's just a great job of being married up with the run scheme and being married up with the second puller for an explosive run play And again, for that whole segment, be sure to watch. You can either see the entire show, Eagles Game Plan, that goes up on Fridays. Also, Tape Study goes out on its own. You can check it out on Friday on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the Eagles social channels. That said, uh, let's start the show now with Chris McPherson. It's time now to go three and out. How about this for a start? They've got him again! 
What a defensive stop. Slay's second pick of the game. Oh, I'm going to have to call him big play. And this defense does the job. One, two, three and out. All right, let's keep the show rolling here with three and out as we welcome in Chris McPherson and C-Mac. This is going to be a fun episode, I feel like, because this is a a well-defined Titans team, a good Titans team that's got an identity on both sides of the football. And obviously the Eagles, we know, have a a really clear identity as well. So uh, I think, honestly, like getting ready for this one from a podcast standpoint, we'll talk later with with Ben for uh, Eagles game plan. It was just a lot of fun to prep for this game. Certainly. I mean, it's a huge game. You know, one, when yeah. when the schedule comes out, you always look at each game and the matchups there, and you knew this would be intriguing for a number of reasons. It's a battle of first place teams coming out of the gate, and the Eagles. A lot has to happen, but you know we can start getting a little ahead of ourselves. The Eagles can clinch a playoff spot. We're starting to get those e- emails and memos of like the scenarios that have to happen. It can happen. Yep. Uh, but first, I think we have to start with Jalen Hurts, and I know we talk about him each and every week, but. You know, coming off a historic performance, becoming the first quarterback to throw for 150, to rush for 150, and throw two touchdowns in a single game. Two other quarterbacks had previously done the 150-150 part. Pop quiz, do you think you can name them? Um... One's a former Eagle. Yeah, Michael Vick. Okay, and uh, think, think recently. Yeah, is it Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson? Lamar. Lamar. Lamar yeah. Jackson, okay, but they didn't throw for two touchdowns right. on yep. top of it. So, historic performance, first time being named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. You might be saying to yourself, wait a second, didn't he get NFC he Offensive Honors? Yeah. He got it for the month, but never previously got it for the week. So, congrats to him for the first time there. And I also like that we saw how I think the offense is evolving Without Dallas Goddard, sure. that was one yep. of the big things that we wanted to see the previous week. Now, you know, in the win over the Colts, and then this past week, I loved, and you and Greg did a great job of talking about this on the podcast. Cam Jurgens coming in as sort of that pseudo tight end, and you know, as as Greg noted, he was recruited to Nebraska as a tight right. end, yep. so not a huge surprise there. But seeing him in those, you know, twelve and thirteen personnel packages to be able to, you know, help beef up the offensive line. So very interesting the utilization of that. And what I just love about Jalen Hurts is how he used his legs early in the game to obviously spark the offense to get those big third down conversions. But to me, it also seems like it helps him get into more of a rhythm of the game as well. Uh, and as you know, we get to see him develop and mature, I hope that it's not a facet of his game that he loses sure. over time. Certainly, you know, things will change and mature and whatnot, but I still hope he always keeps that uh, multidimensional skill set in his bag of tricks. So, um, you know, even though the passing numbers, and again, you guys talked about this on the podcast, how the stat sheet wasn't great from a passing standpoint. If you go to, and you talked about the film and and how he looked in the pocket, but if you go to PFF, he completed 57.1% of his passes in the win over the Packers. However, his adjusted completion percentage went all the way up to nearly 71%. Right. Okay, so the balls were coming. A handful, of thro- handful of throwaways out of the uh, where he threw about a bounds. Uh, there were a couple drops in there. So, yeah, that, that all of that stuff uh, definitely uh, gets included so there. So, come back for him. So, how did the Packers attack primarily? Cover one the, and then cover three were the two main concepts that were used against him. Well, let's dig into the Titans this week, okay? Tenth in defensive DVOA, eighth in points allowed. I mean, the numbers are staggering here. They haven't allowed more than 20 points in a game since week three. Mm. And that was to the Las Vegas Raiders, and it was 22 points in that game. Right. Okay? So pretty much they've had one slip up. They lost 41-7, to seven, I believe it was, to the Bills. They gave up 41 points back in week two. Okay? Outside of that, this defense has not given up more than 22 points in a single game. Now, nearly half of their snaps are coming out of cover three or quarters. Those are the primary packages they that lead, you're going to see. They lead the NFL in quarters coverage. So you're going to see that cover one is their third highest package behind those first two. Which that and cover one is going to show up on third down, heavy zone on those early downs. Like I said, uh, leading the NFL in quarters. So you'll see a lot of zone early. What they've done so far is mm-hmm. a lot of man uh, on third down. Very interesting to see how they play. That's going to be one of the things to yes. watch. They rarely blitz. Okay. At least by the numbers, in terms of again, it goes to how you categorize blitz. Uh, a lot of their blitzing, a lot of their pressures are the sim pressures, where uh, it's a linebacker or a nickel corner or a safety coming, and then a defensive end drops out. So it is a four-man rush, and I know PFF doesn't count that 
as a blitz. A blitz. It goes back to like the, the Green Bay Packers thing mm-hmm. from last week where the Packers were one of the top leaders in blitz, but it was just a straight, the five-man rush, all five guys come. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say, well, I don't count that as a blitz because it's the five that are up on the line of scrimmage, everybody comes. The, the Titans are literally the complete opposite of that philosophy. So in terms of the PFF numbers, the only team that blitzes at a less frequent weight rate you, you seem like you're... Oh, uh, I'm trying to think if there, I can guess. There's an Eagles high. There's an Eagles high, so... Uh, who is it? Colts. Colts. Just Got saw it. them a couple weeks ago. Got so, it. So the Colts there. So so that's what we've seen. Another interesting stat is the Titans, just a very sound unit from front to back. Yep. They are tied for six in the fewest missed tackles against the run mm. this season. And obviously, Miles Sanders having an outstanding season, so that's going to be interesting to watch. And also, how are the game plan for the run element of Jalen Hurts. So, you know, this is not the most prolific defense at taking away the ball. Nine interceptions, but bottom half of the league in total turnovers generated. It's just a very sound group, a group that doesn't give up a lot of explosive plays. Mm. It's going to be very interesting to see how patient Jalen Hurts can be picking his spots against this unit. Yeah, it's something I think we're going to talk about as the show progresses here, but going back to what you said about uh, from a coverage standpoint, how, how are the Tennessee Titans going to play Jalen Hurts when you get to third down because uh, that was where he really excelled in this game against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers started a lot of man coverage and they wanted it looked like they wanted to play dime defense on third down. They lose Darnell Savage on the first third down of the game. They get out of that. Well, that is the Titans' identity. So if you're the Titans, do you come in and say, hey, we're, we're going to be better than what the Packers were on third down. We are not going to let that happen. Yep. Or do they adjust and say, hey, maybe we need to mix things up a little bit more, not play third or play man on every single third down. That's something I'm going to be watching early on uh, in this game is what is Tennessee's plan if it's third and six, if it's third and eight, if it's third and 11, how are they going to come out and play against Jalen Hurts? Are, are they going to play man, or are they going to try and you know heat him up a little bit and play some zone behind it? So if they do play man, my next topic is, and it's he's going to be the focal point of a lot of the storylines this week, and it's A.J. Brown, and just revisiting the A.J. Brown trade between the Eagles and the Titans on yep. that first night of the 2022 NFL Draft. Let's just go in the wayback machine here for a second, Fran. You were on the set of Eagles Draft Central presented mm-hmm. by Deaton Watson with Ella D. Giovanni and Ross Tucker. What what was your reaction <laughs> when uh well, we, <laughs> when, so, it fla- when it flashes on? So basically the Eagles had just traded up. They selected Jordan Davis. Yep. And so we were on set. We had just finished uh our analysis of that pick. So the the cameras shut off. We we're not live anymore. And we're saying, hey, we're just gonna sit here on desk because the Eagles are picking again here in a couple minutes. So we'll let's stay put, we'll stay where we're at. Well, then we we get the news. So the Eagles are trading the pick. Uh, and it's going to go, it's for A.J. Brown. We were like, whoa, just blown away uh, that the Eagles were able to acquire uh, A.J. Brown for one of these first-round picks. Yeah. And, um, nothing else on top of that. It was just, uh, it was it, it completely surprised uh, by, that, by, that, uh, by that acquisition. So from my perspective, we were working in the office area here at NovaCare. We call the pit. And, you know, the, the video team is getting highlights of Jordan Davis because we're trying to yeah. react to the Jordan Davis no news. Doubt. We're trying to get all the content and everything out about that. And then I literally look up this at the screen on the TV screen because we have a bunch of TV screens all around uh, the room, and it you just see the uh, tweet from Adam Schefter flash Eagles have acquired Adrian Brown, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those moments like, what what do we do here? Our production team spends months months putting together B-roll packages, graphic packages, getting all the details ready for all of these first-round picks, All the, because the Eagles had three first-round picks for a majority of that offseason. And so, all right, we got to get ready for all of these different uh, you know, options in, here in round one. And at the end of the day, the Eagles come away with one of those players after of trading course. one of the first-round picks to New Orleans, trading one to Tennessee for A.J. Brown. Uh, but uh, very happy uh, yes. with the end result of that day. No question. So he's going to be the cover of the Game Day magazine, which, nice. you can, which you can pick up at local Acme stores later on in the week. Um, some great anecdotes and quotes of players, of, of AJ's teammates talking about him. My favorite was from second-year corner Zach McPherson, who said uh, this was actually after, I think it was the Steelers game, okay. when when you know AJ Brown went, went off, off yeah. and, and mossed the Steelers left and right. And <laughs> Zach McPherson just points across the locker room and just says, look at the guy first of all, okay? He's 6'2", 220, like, and jacked. Um, moves the way he does. He Zach McPherson said that when you line up against him, it's like he's preparing as if it's a Super Bowl every time because if you make one little slip up, he's going to beat you. It could be a five-yard hitch. It could yep. be a slant. It could be a go ball. He's going to find a way to win. So um, this just reminds me of going back to 
the 2017 offseason, okay? They're coming off the first year with, with Carson Wentz and realizing they need to get some pass options. Uh, they need to improve in that area, and they got Alshon, they got Torrey Smith, and all of a sudden the Eagles yep. were able to go on this magnificent run that led eventually to the Super Bowl. It seemed like the Eagles realized after Jalen Hurts' first season, you had Devontae in the fold already, but they needed that other piece. And it's not just that they got A.J. Brown. They didn't just get a known quantity, a Pro Bowl receiver, but it's the style of the way he plays that has helped this offense out so much um, with that ability to be so physical, with the way he, he can win the contested catches, the way that he can take the top off of defense, the way that... Uh, he just brings that added element of toughness and physicality. It, it's going to be so fascinating to watch. Going against a corner group, they have Christian Fulton, okay, who's a former second-round pick out of LSU, yep. has played has played pretty well. Yep. As, uh, Roger McCreary, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, he was the you know the the hero of Mobile, Alabama, hometown kid, played at Auburn. Um, the biggest thing I think his question is: I love his play style, but his size yep. is going to be something something to watch and. If they're going to be left out on man coverage against A.J. Brown, I feel like Jalen Hurts is going to want to take his shots knowing that A.J. Brown is going against his his former team. So yeah, If you look at the numbers, A.J. Brown has gotten the lion's share of targets against man coverage, yep. and if, they, if the Titans are going to play that way, I think the big thing, and you mentioned it, when you look at Elijah Molden, he's 5'11". You look at McCreary, he's 5'10". It might even be below that. Elijah Molden. He came in at 5'11". Uh, five, I was going back five, to the numbers. Five, ten, five, yeah. All three of these guys are sub six foot. Uh, A.J. Brown is going to have the size advantage uh, against all of those corners, and that's something to watch here in this game. Yeah, so that's a big thing. In his career going against the AFC South, Brown has 1,310 yards, 12 touchdowns, and he, three games this season against the you know the former division rivals there, 214 yards and two scores. So uh, from the Titans' perspective, just bring it up real quick, they basically drafted his replacement, Traylon Burks, yep. who has come on of late. Okay, has had a couple strong games, was on IR earlier in this season. Um, but as we transition to my last point here, and we're going to be talking about the Eagles going against Derrick Henry and trying to stop his presence, King Henry, it seems like the Titans are in search of those explosive plays, yep. and they really need Burks to step up in a big way to help out Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, you'd love to be able to get a little bit more juice from the pass game. And that, and that was the difference to me. And we're going to talk about this throughout the show is that uh, when you look at the Titans in years past, you had A.J. Brown there to go, you know, four for 110 and two touchdowns. Yeah, you know, it, it, yeah the volume is never going to be there if you're going to feed Derrick Henry the way that they do in the run game. But uh, if you get a guy that, hey, he gets six targets in the game and he can convert four or five of them um, for some big plays and some touchdowns. Now, all of a sudden, the defense has to play a little bit more honest. Now, I think you're starting to see that with Traylon Burks. I don't have access to, uh, or at least I don't know where to find this stat. I got to think that Traylon Burks over the last month is going to be one of the leaders in the NFL in targets per snap, where when he's on the field, because if you look at the amount of routes that he runs, it's only he's only in like the 20s, but he's getting targeted like four or five times a game. And so when he's out there, they're typically finding ways to get him the football. And over the last few weeks, He's made one or two big plays a game. They're finding good ways to be able to get him the ball. Very similar to the Packers with Christian Watson, a similar kind of route tree right now where it's a lot of those deep vertical routes, the deep overs, the crosses, just anything where they keep him on a straight line path. You don't have, you're not asking him to create separation. Just go be an athlete and go win. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing right now with uh, with Traylon Burks. Yeah, 50-yard catch this past weekend against the Bengals. He scored his first touchdown. He came on a fumble recovery, but still looking for his first receiving touchdown. So going Transitioning to point number three, because they need to open things up for Derrick Henry. It's been so condensed. You know, you look at the numbers, the last three games, just from a yards per carry standpoint, 2.8, 3.1, and against the Bengals, 2.2. Now, Derrick Henry is over 1,000 yards for the season. Almost 900 of those yards have come after contact. Mm. And the Bengals even said after the game, we wanted to swarm. We wanted to make sure that he didn't get those legs moving. Once he gets those legs moving... Okay, he's going to be tough to bring down. you got to get in the backfield, and you got to stop him right away. But what's not helping the Titans' offense overall has been the offensive line. So center Ben Jones expected to come back this week. He was in concussion protocol. He missed the loss to the Bengals. But Taylor Lewan has not been playing. He's out. So that left side of the line, left tackle Dennis Daly, okay, you're going by PFF rankings here, 72nd out of 76 tackles. Okay, struggling, yeah. And Dylan Rance, the former North Dakota State prospect who's playing left guard, okay, 80th among 84 guards this season. So when you have the type of offense that the Titans want to run, 
you got to be strong in the trenches. That's what the Titans have been known for during their success here the last couple of years. Not really the case right now along the offensive line, at least. So the thing with the yards after contact stat that I always want to look at when I see, oh, a team is really, really good in yards after contact mm-hmm. is, okay, where are they in yards before contact? And if you have a team that, even if you're middle of the pack or above average in yards before contact and then really good, then you're like, okay, this is a, this is a really good run team. Right now, if you look at the Titans, I know Derrick Henry as an individual, he leads the NFL in yards after contact. He leads the NFL in forced missed tackles. But if you look at them uh, as a team right now, they are dead last in the NFL in yards before contact per attempt. They are 0.8, basically just shy of one yard yeah. uh, of yards before contact. And I know there was a stat. Uh, I heard it on the athletic football show with Robert Mays uh, on Sunday night, or uh, they recorded on Sunday night, where the Cincinnati Bengals, the average depth of uh, where they were able to hit Derrick Henry was behind the line of scrimmage. Jeez. So yeah. when, when, that's, when you're doing that, uh, first of all, yeah, that's tough sledding for any running back. But any yards you're getting, they're going to be after contact if you're getting hit by the line of scrimmage. That's where those yards are going to come from. Yep. Um, so what I what I think the way that to kind of look at that with this matchup means that, um, look, the, the defensive line needs to own the line of scrimmage. They need to get knocked back and create plays on the other side of the line. Uh, and you got to wrap up Derrick Henry. You can't let him get loose because he's, yeah. he still has that ability to create those big gains. But if you're able to win at the line of scrimmage, that helps negate a lot of that. Yeah, his biggest play came on a screen pass. That's the one area that you need to watch out for him here as well because they're just trying to find ways that he's not going against these loaded boxes. So no doubt. uh, But they're you know how can they take the crown from King Henry? That's my my last point there. So but fascinating matchup again. Two really really great teams when it comes to line of scrimmage play here. It's gonna be a fascinating showdown to see. You know, I remember going back to the Cowboys win for the Eagles earlier in the season, and you heard the numbers about, you know, Cowboys had only given up so many points. How will the Eagles fare here? Or is this going to be like a Colts-type matchup where they're going to have to be patient and just wait for their opportunities to strike? I mean, the way that Tennessee plays, they, they like to grind you out. They're like near the bottom of the league, I think second to last in the league in terms of uh, offensive plays per game. Uh, they want to t- they want to take the air out of the football, slow the game down, and, and play uh, 16-13. And that's the way that uh, they like to play. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're the Eagles, you can force the issue and say, we're not going to play that way. Um, but I, th- I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out, C-Mac. And we'll talk about it uh, next week here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, good stuff there from C-Mac. Let's now continue it with Chalk Talk with uh, Ben Fennell. And Ben, uh, Eagles game plan, we're done shooting for the week. It's still in production. We're still in the edit phase. But uh, let's talk through this matchup. I said it with C-Mac. This is a really fun I feel like I had a lot of juice about this show and like getting ready for it. There's a lot of topics to chew on, a lot to cover, and we'll start with the Eagles offense going up against this Titans defense where it's a battle of heavyweights. It's that, that run game for the Eagles going up against the run defense for the Titans. Yeah, it feels like December football, and we're yeah. you know right on the cusp of that. It's a kind of a playoff matchup, two very tough teams, well-coached teams, and a, you know, a vibe of a game that you're going to see in January. So uh, it's kind of one of those battle-tested type of matchups, and I think our offense against that front of the Titans is, uh, you know, kind of the premier uh, thing to focus on. Well, you and I watched the film together on Monday, and just the 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 amount of variety that we continue to see from this run game, where it's it's, and that's the thing with variety, right? Is that it's not every game there's a wide variety of runs that the Eagles are running. It's more like on a week-to-week basis, like all right, what's the flavor this week? And this week it was a lot of the the tackle trap and tackle power, and so. We definitely wanted to illustrate that in this show. Lane Johnson on the move, creating a seal for Miles Sanders. He broke down that play, but uh, just a number of examples of Lane Johnson on the move in this game. Well, it's just, you know, collectively, they have so many versatile players, athletic players, strong players. We highlight the things Jason Kelsey does on the perimeter and his, uh, you know, freakish ability and his athleticism at the center position, the quarterback run game, all the conceptual stuff with holding the backside with motion and misdirection. And then you could just blow people off the ball, too. Yep. And you saw that, that you could just buckle up and do double teams and smash the stacks that we've been saying around here for, for five, six, seven years, going back to our Super Bowl run with big Brandon Brooks out there. You know, it's just great. You could play bully ball. You could play the finesse game on the perimeter. Yep. You have all the change-ups, all the wrinkles, and you seem to see that on a week-to-week basis. And on Sunday... You saw all that. You saw the smashing the stacks and violent double teams knocking defensive linemen vertically off the ball. And then you saw offensive linemen on the move. And it wasn't just Jason Kelsey. Like you said, Lane Johnson, three straight plays of a counter pull, a trap pull, a power pull. Awesome. And to have the flexibility of your offensive linemen, not every team has that. Nope. 
Not every team has a quarterback that can run. Not every On team both sides, too. Has, left tackle and right tackle. Have tackles right? that can move. Not every team has a center that can, you know, release to the perimeter with the speed of a fullback. Yep. You know, so it's different strokes for different folks. And if you have a versatile group, you also have to call a versatile game. Yep. So just having those people doesn't just imply the run game will be diverse. You have to call a diverse run game. You have to prepare for a diverse run game. And this team tackles that every week. So it happened to work out schedule-wise that you were very well-versed in this Titans team coming into the week because uh, with the work you do with CBS on the on the, yep, uh, the out broadcast there. Out there for the Cincy yeah, game last week. Yeah, you were out there for uh, the Bengals-Titans game a week ago. And so uh, coming in, you've, you've, you're pretty well-versed, like I said, with this run defense and their ability to stop the run starts with Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a Titans game. You know, I also did the Bengals-Titans playoff game last year. It's identical. Was yep. it 16, 19, 20, 16. That's Titans football. You want to kind of hold it in the teens there. Unfortunately, that you know call at the end of the game didn't give them an opportunity to you know tie the game or come back. It was a brutal call for TV, brutal call for fans, just because yep. you want to see a good finish there. But that was a Titans football game. And I know the Bengals came out on top on both those games, reflecting back to the playoff game and Sunday. But that's how the Titans want to play. And that's the risk you run with that kind of grind you out, beat you up games where you're okay winning 13-10. You know, that offense isn't the most explosive. They're not going to put up 30 points on a weekly basis. That's the defensive team. And the one, you know, notch in there from Sunday, no Danico Autry. Mm. I know me and you both think the world of him, one of the more underrated players from his time with the Indianapolis Colts and now with the Tennessee Titans. When you get him and Jeffrey Simmons and Bud Dupree and Tier Tart's a really fun player and a healthy unit. That's a dominant group. Obviously, everyone's dealing with some injuries here yep. and there, so we hope uh, Danico can get himself healthy. If he wants to take another week off, that'd be okay. Yeah, but uh, he's a really good player. Hoping to get an update on that from uh, Teron Davenport. Yeah. And David segment. David Long's a David heck Long's of a player. Really Kevin Byard will yep. show up at any point. Really underrated player and Amani Hooker, yep. uh, who they gave a second contract to that maybe fans across the NFL don't know who that is. Um, but there's some really tough players on that group. And then when you go to the other side of the football, it's a lot of run game matchup as well. you got to stop uh, Derrick Henry. That's the big topic, right? Yep. And so uh, we talked about Derrick Henry. Greg Cosell broke down a, a long run from him throughout the course of the season, but uh, also this uh, this run defense trying to stop Derrick Henry as well. Yeah, whether it was Arthur Smith or now Todd Downing, it's the same offense. You know, you're featuring Derrick Henry, you're featuring the run game and trying to open up, you know, shots off of that, whether that's play action or trying to get man coverage on the outside and to hit, you know, your trailing Burks deep and your Robert Woods and uh, some of those fun kind of playmakers like Chigo Conquo and Austin Hooper, don't forget about. And I mean, the last two weeks, he, he's hit eight, nine, 10 different receivers. Right. Yep. So it's a Rolodex of players that can hurt you. You know, uh, Westbrook Aquina can hit you, you know, for a big play at any point. Dontro Hilliard saw that little corner right out of the backfield against Pretty the Packers. Bad, yeah. Great pass catching running back. But everything ticks with Derrick Henry. And that run game hasn't been as explosive lately, but they are not going to go away from it. They're going to run themselves into a wall, as I'm kind of quoting. If the run game isn't working, they're still going to run the ball. Yep. So I think they're going to commit to that. And, you know, if the run game isn't clicking, they're still going to run it. But don't think t Ryan Tannehill can't beat you with his arm either. Mm. You know, I remember doing that Chiefs game last year where the run game was a little dried up. Tannehill threw for 300 and carved up the Chiefs. Yeah. You know, so at any week, you know, Tannehill's a vet. He's a high-priced quarterback. That's what they expect from him. Just not how they want to play, but they can play that way. You know, I think you talked about all the different pass catchers, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we hit on trying to defend not just Derrick Henry, but uh, the, this passing game as well. And I think the one thing we've seen from this defense the last few weeks of going up against veteran quarterbacks, their ability to change the picture post-snap. And there were great examples against the Colts. You had Brandon Graham dropping into the flat and taking away a shallow crosser. Uh, you had Marcus Epps traveling with uh, Alan Lazard pre-snap against the uh, Packers and fooling Aaron Rodgers and I think it was man coverage. And so we wanted to make sure we presented that angle of it, change the picture for Ryan Tannehill, cloud it up and maybe force him into some turnovers. Yeah, and I thought one of our highlight plays last week that we broke down, Ike Reese did a great job on game plan this week, the uh, Blankenship interception yep. where you, you showed something pre-snap, you kind of fell out of it in a disguise post-snap, confused even the veteran Aaron Rodgers of the world. I think you're going to need to do that. And that's yeah. the name of the game of defenses. Play simple concepts, but disguise them really well with smart players. I also love that that makes it interchangeable. When you have these complex hybrid defenses, the second one player goes out, and God forbid it's a safety or linebacker that plays in the middle, right. sometimes it's really dangerous when it's a confusing scheme. Mm. Now, it can really confuse offenses. can also confuse that rookie that's to come in in the third quarter because there's an injury. When you play simple schemes, which... I think the Eagles play a pretty simple scheme. So do the Titans. So do the Bengals. Very well coached. And all of a sudden, guys like 
You know, Blankenship can come in and get a pick. Yep. Josiah Scott stepping up for Avante Maddox. He had the other pick yesterday. So I think disguising simplicity is a great scheme in the NFL right now. It's like, uh, you know, you get those strands of Christmas lights and you're putting them on the tree, you're decorating, and, like, the one bulb goes out and all the other bulbs after it don't light yes. up. <laughs> uh, if you're missing that one guy, you'd like to ideally have a set where the one bulb goes out, you change it, and yeah. all the other ones aren't affected. That's kind of where the Eagles are right And now. the Titans, the same thing. They're going to play some man coverage on third down, but early downs, a lot of cover three, a lot of cover two. They're going to get to it in some cool ways. Yep. I thought Greg did a good job at, uh, you know, on Eagle Eye with you earlier in the week talking about the different ways they may have different players run that middle hole. Yes. Or they may you know show a single high and roll to cover two. Cover two isn't anything exotic. Yep. How they got to it was pretty exotic. No doubt. Well, let's go through some stats here. What's the one that stands out most to you when you look at uh, this? Get ready for this game. Well, I think diving into this Titans pass rush is really interesting because on paper, four-man rush rate, highest in the NFL. Actually, really productive doing that as well. Second highest pressure rate with four or less ruptures. So they don't want to bring a lot of people. They don't have to bring a lot of people. Yep. But David Long has 18 pressures this year. Roger McCreary has 10 pass rushes. Yep. That's a corner. Yep. So what is that that saying? They're 20th right in the middle of the pack in DB blitz percentage. Yep. So how are you first in four-man rushes in the middle of the pack in DB percentage? Sim pressures, zone blitzes. They love to, you know, obviously crowd the line of scrimmage. Bring four, but which four are going to come? They love the zone exchange where you're bringing that nickel or slot and dropping the backside DN. Saw that a lot on Sunday against Joe Burrow. Some cat blitzes, some mug fronts, some single dog blitzes sending David Long. So there may only be four. But which four are going to come? I think yep. that's fun to dive into. Love that. And and for me, looking over to the other side of the football, there's been a lot of talk about this offense. Just kind of doesn't have the same teeth that they've had in the past. And when you look at this run game, uh, the explosive run percentage, they they rank right now in their 27th in the NFL this season in explosive run percentage. You go back to last year, they were 21st. You go back to 2020, they were 10th. You go back to 2019, they were 3rd. So you talk about how this the, the explosive runs have just been fewer and far between to go from 3rd to 10th to 21st and now to 27th, that kind of speaks to the issues they're having and creating some of those big plays, especially with the pass game being a little bit of a slow go here this season with some of the young players and the turnover and losing A.J. Brown. Uh, so that's why it's been a little bit of a slugfest for this offense. Uh, matchups, what are you most excited to see here? Well, I think the most dominant player on this Titans team is Jeffrey Simmons. Yep. So I worry about whoever's in front of him. Obviously, the undersized Jason Kelsey, you know, the technically sound Isaac Sayamalo are going to have their hands full. Going to be some gladiator battles there against Landon Dickerson. But Jeffrey Simmons, who was once called Baby Fletcher Cox yep. there early at Mississippi State, this is a grown man. He's not baby anything anymore. So him and Fletch will probably have a nice greeting midfield pregame. Then they're going to both try to wreck the opponents. So uh, Jeffrey Simmons, he's going to get his. Just just hope it doesn't impact our offense too. Uh, too. And for me on the other side, uh, I'm going to talk about this <coughs> Tennessee offensive line going up against the Eagles defensive front with a focus on the Eagles right side of the line. So Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat going up against the Tennessee left side. It looks like it'll be Dylan Radins once again at left guard, Dennis Daly at left tackle. Uh, both of them are backups. I think that's a, an area where you say, okay, especially if the Eagles can stop the run on early downs. If you make things difficult for them, keep them behind the sticks, and they can't go play action and motion and different things to keep the defensive line at bay, that's where Sweat, Hargrave, those guys can pin their ears back and go. That's a matchup I'm watching. Josh Sweat and Hargrave against that left side. So, Ben, uh, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you uh, later this week on the Journey to the Draft podcast as well as next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in full focus. Really happy to be joined this week on Faux Focus by Teron Davenport. You can follow him on Twitter at tdavenport underscore NFL. ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Titans. Philadelphia native making a homecoming here this week. Teron, thanks so much for joining us here on the show again, man. Yeah, no problem, man. When I got the message from you, I couldn't help but smile, man. I'm excited. It's going to be a great week, great weekend, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. We we've been saying it all throughout the show. I'm really excited uh, for this matchup on Sunday. And so uh, to go through this exercise once again, I'm gonna ask you to put on your Todd Downing hat. He's the offensive coordinator for the Titans. What is the biggest strength for this team entering this game on offense? What gives you the most confidence in your ability to win this one in Philadelphia? Well, it's crazy because you want to say the rushing attack, and and I'm probably gonna go that route. But the passing game is emerging. Uh, I have to say the rushing attack, though. But I will say this. The last three games have been a big-time struggle for Derrick Henry and, and the offensive line. They're, they've been without center 
uh, uh, Ben Jones, and, and that kind of put a, a, a wrench in the game, you know. And, and you see Henry getting hit behind the backfield a lot, and that's that's not something that, that, that you know, you want to happen with him because he's the guy that likes to get that momentum leading up to the line of scrimmage and really bust through there. So I, I would say the rushing attack, but it's going to be interesting because, you know, you look at the, the Houston game, you, you look at the, the uh, Washington game, they struggled, the Eagles, that is. They struggled there against the run, but they went out and got Linville Joseph and Dominican Sue, and now you got the possible return of Jordan Davis. So that's going to be something to watch. Yeah, I think it's gonna. It certainly paints a uh, a really interesting matchup, and one we'll get into on the other side of the ball when you talk about uh, run game versus run game. But um, when looking at some of the injuries they've had up front, uh, what has been the biggest loss uh, for this Titans offensive line when you look at? Because I look at the, this current unit right now, I'd say, all right, Nate Davis is their best lineman right now, just based off of how I've how I have viewed them, uh, watching them on film study. But of the guys they've lost, what has been the the hardest one for them to deal with? Yeah, you're right. Nate Davis is a really good one. You know, at right guard. I think the hardest one to deal with has been Ben Jones because, mm. you know, they lost Taylor Lewan and they just kind of kept on going. Dennis Daly, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't exactly say that he's a, a Pro Bowl player, <laughs> but they've managed with him at left tackle. And yeah. I, I really say Ben Jones not having him because now you take Aaron Brewer, who was the starting left guard, you shift him to center, and then you bring in Dylan Radence. And you put him at left guard, and so now you, you, you're you going down the depth chart in two positions, and it's no wonder Derrick Henry is getting hit, you know, 0.8 yards after uh, uh, before after getting the football. Excuse yeah. Me. So that's that's a bad thing right there. Uh, just you talk about the the emergence of the pass game, Traylon Burks and, and Chigakwankwo, two of the uh, rookies for this pass game. Um, what has stood out to you about both guys? How, what have they done to kind of incorporate them into the passing game a little bit more over the last few weeks? Well, I tell you this: whenever Akwankwo touches the ball, big things happen. You know, he's mm. averaging over twenty yards a catch, and he's just found a way to get it open in secondaries. He he's a matchup problem. Uh, he's so much like Jonu Smith. Yeah. So they've schemed with to get him. And, and I love the way, you know, he's able to run with the football. And, and he's a part of that whole bringing physicality to the passing game. You see guys bounce off of him. So that's a big thing. Uh, for Traylon Burks, really, it, it's for me, it's the deep passing ability that, yep. that he has, you know, the catching ability. You look at the Packers game, it was a play action, deep shot. Man, he's going against Jair Alexander, who we know is no slouch. You know, and he beat him deep and made a play to seal that game. And then you look at last week, you know, they go play action. He's running a, a, a post. And Tannehill just said, you know what? You only live once. And he put the <laughs> ball up there. And, and Traylon went up and got it. And, and those are the type of things that really impressed me about him. I'm still waiting for that yards after catch, you know, the, mm. the thing that they drafted him to kind of complement what uh, – or not replace, but – like fill in for what A.J. Brown used to do for them on that play-action bang route. You know, I'm still looking for that, though. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And you mentioned, uh, you know, the, that element of his game hasn't come to fruition yet, yet this team is still a top-five unit uh, when it comes to yards after catch per reception. So they're still finding ways to create those big plays. So when the, when the light, light bulb turns on for Burks in that area, uh, it could really take that offense to the next level. And it's just yeah. been good to be able to see that confidence uh, really appear with the rookie first-round pick just because of how crazy it's been over the last few months and all the talk in the summer and the conditioning and all that stuff, and then going on injured yeah. reserve midseason. I love seeing that for a young player uh, to be able to fight through that and have some success. And uh, hopefully not too much this week, but hopefully he can continue building on that uh, in the future for that team. Let's go over to the, the other side of the football. And I want to ask you now to put on your Shane Bowen hat. You're the defensive coordinator for the Titans. What is the biggest strength with this unit and gives you the most confidence in your ability to win this game? Yeah, I think it's what they have up front. And you look at Jeffrey Simmons, a guy who I remember coming out, I said he reminds me of Fletcher Cox. No you no, know, no doubt, yeah. You look at that, and then you look at Tier Tart, West Philly native, you know what That's I mean? Right. Tier Tart, he's another guy that's going home. But you look at those guys, Bud Dupree, uh, Kevin Strong, you look at Mario Edwards, Demarcus Walker, like they're very deep. Darrell Murchison, when they when yep. they have him in the in the rotation, they're very deep up front. But this week, not having Danico Autry, that that's going to be a tough thing. But I still think that front is 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 their strength, and they just have to get after it, man. And they have to be really careful 
with their rushing lanes. Because one thing that I've seen happen, you look at Kansas City, you look at Cincinnati, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, those guys were able to find a, a lane and everything is covered, but mm. they find the lane. And next thing you know, it's a first down on third and 13. And you can't have those type of situations. And obviously Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, is a different level runner than those two guys. So they're going to have to be disciplined up front, make sure they communicate and, and fill in where they have to in order to get after the quarterback. You mentioned the loss of Danico Autry. What does that mean for this front? Because he's, he's not a household name. I think Jeffrey no. Simmons is just about there nationally. Um, but for Eagles fans that aren't familiar with Danico Autry and how impactful he's been for that group, how big of a loss is he for that defensive front? Yeah, Danico is one of those guys that people like you that, that take and watch the end zone copy uh, of the <laughs> game really learn to appreciate. And to put it simple, the dude is a gobbler. And if mm. you watch what he does, as far as beating one-on-ones, as far as forcing other teams to, you know, on stunts and things like that, he and Mario Edwards together are, they're a vicious stunt tandem. And, yep. and you see him sometimes where he's like the trigger guy and he's the one that's just simply supposed to occupy the offensive lineman, but he's bowling them over <laughs> and, and, and getting to the quarterback despite being the sacrificial part of the, the stunt. So, you know, he brings that. You look at his ability to knock the ball down at the line of scrimmage. I'll tell you one thing that they do that, that I love. In practice, Coach Terrell Williams, he takes a kickball, and he has the guys engaged with each other, and he raises the kickball, and they have to quickly disengage and put their arms up and match hands with the quarterback. And then hmm. he throws the kickball, and they got to knock it down. And Autry does that, uh, you know, with the outside linebackers as well, with, with the defensive line, and there's no figure that that – transfers over to the game where he's batting down a lot of balls. So that's something else that he does. If you watch the Chiefs game, he tipped a pass to J, uh, Travis Kelsey that ended up bouncing off of the eight and seven, and Roger McCreary got his first interception that way. Mm. So you see those type of things, the little things. But then also, I mean, he's got seven and a half sacks on the year. So uh, he brings it, man. He, he's a guy that, that makes it easier for everyone else up front. Uh, I love that drill. Uh, I have not seen that one. That's a, that's a good one to uh, to keep an eye on. Um, real quick, yeah. last question about this defense. We talked about it here on the show, is third down. Uh, and Jalen Jalen Hurts was so good on third down against the Packers, both with his legs and with his arm. Uh, really kind of scared the Packers out of playing man coverage early in this game. It seemed like that was the goal going in, that that was going to be their initial game plan. Now, we know with the Titans, they love to play man. They love to play dime on third down, Is that and that is their identity. When If you're them and you see Jalen Hurts do what he did last Sunday night against the Packers, what, what's your thought on how they would approach that? Do you think they're looking at that and saying, look, look, we are going to out-execute what the Packers did. We're going to do what we do. This is our identity. We're going to do it better than Green Bay did. Or do they look at it and say, hey, you know what? We got, we got to play a little bit safer. Maybe we don't play as much man, or we got to uh, kind of mix things up a little bit more based off what they've done this season. Yeah, they're going to play man, and they're going to do what they do. That's one mm. thing about Mike Vrabel. He's uh, – He's stubborn. <laughs> He's going to do his thing. And Shane Bowen as well. And Jim Schwartz, you know, another yep. coming home. Um, I think when you look at a Jalen Hurts, that makes it true 11 on 11 football. So they'll probably tweak it some, whereas they'll have David Long Jr., another guy watching yeah. him, man. He's so much fun to watch. Great but player. He's, I, I would say they'll probably have him play a, like a, as, a, as a spy on Jalen Hurts. That's something that, that they could do to kind of mix things up a little bit. But then that takes away from double double coverage on AJ Brown, so it's 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 going to be uh, interesting. But I, I think they keep it the same. You're Mike Vrabel. Uh, what's your biggest concern for this team going into, the, into this matchup? And it could be on either side of the football. Oh, it's simple for me. It, it's simple. You know, I love the the going against AJ Brown, and, and and that is the story. But it's Jalen Hurts. Yeah, this dude could kill you in the pocket. He could kill you running with the football, also. And then you look at some of the things that they do, like third and five. You know, they, they go empty and go quarterback draw. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? You know, so I think it's, it's Jalen Hurts and what, what he brings to the table. Yeah, and he's proven to be uh, very difficult to stop in a lot of these scenarios. I, I'm fascinated to see what their game plan is and um, you know, going into this win game and see if it evolves throughout the course of the matchup. Uh, last question for you, Teron. Most pivotal one-on-one -on -one battle Sunday afternoon. What, what are you looking at here? Is there one feud that you're kind of looking at uh, with a, a close eye? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I got to look at the Darius Slay, Traylon Burks matchup. Love it. You know, Traylon is coming off of two of his best games as a pro. They're going to play action and look to get the ball deep. Yep. Darius Slay 
covering as well as anybody in the league right now. So I want to see what happens there. That that will probably be the one for me. Well, Teron, uh, safe travels back home to Philly. Uh, really appreciate you joining us here for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Great insight on this Titans team, and we will talk to you again soon. Yeah, for sure. Anytime, man. Appreciate you. All right, so great stuff there from Teron Davenport, Ben Fennel, and Chris McPherson. Now, uh, we talked a little bit about our Eagles game plan show. Well, we've got some leftover content from that show. Again, it's just a 30-minute show. We record typically eh, like 40, 40-ish minutes of content. So I always have a little bit extra, and all that stuff we don't use, I save for you right here. Yeah, and I love the way Miles has developed his game as a running back, being patient, allowing blocks like that to develop. You know, early in his career, he may have been a little impatient, tried to bounce that thing to the outside, and it may not have gained as many yards. But he's getting behind his pads. He's running hard. He's able to get through this tackle from Clark. And that's the thing you're seeing the difference in Miles' game. He's running decisive. When he needs to make someone miss, he has the ability to do that. But I love his patience and allowing his blocks to develop so that they can use him running in between the tackles. We're seeing a lot more Miles Sanders in between the tackles this year, and that's been why he's having a big year. So this is a matchup to watch. Jeffrey Simmons and his cohorts in the run game versus the Eagles. But it's also worth mentioning the pass defense, because one thing about Tennessee, they are the best third down defense in the NFL, and they get teams in third and long situations, and that's where the pass rush comes into play. Again, it's a four-man D-line pass rush, but you will see when they play dime with six defensive backs, that's where their tendency is to play more man-to-man coverage. They're a predominant zone team on first and second down. On third down out of dime, they rely on the four-man D-line pass rush, and you will see more man coverage. And you saw the Eagles against the Packers. Jalen Hurts early on with those third downs, some man coverage. Jalen Hurts just took off and ran. Titans like to play a lot of man on third downs. What do you think they're going to do in this game when they saw what Jalen did against the Packers? Well, they're going to have to be smart as to when they decide to play man coverage. I, you know, I wouldn't advise that for any team going up against this Eagles offense considering what the quarterback has the ability to do with his legs. Green Bay tried that early in the game. Jalen Hurts had over 100 yards rushing in the first quarter. Tennessee likes to run that man defense yes. at times. It's just a matter of being judicious when you decide to do it. I don't think they can give the Eagles a heavy dose of it because they'll, they'll pay for it, but I do expect them to do it a little bit because it's a part of their DNA as a defense. And all defense will try and spy Jalen. You know, they're going to have, when they bring in their nickel package, their dime packages, they're going to try and get someone that will keep eyes on him at least. But it hasn't worked out very well for most teams. <laughs> yeah, Jalen has not really been stopped. How about A.J. Brown, of course? The last four games hasn't had more than 60 yards receiving. Little sick over the Thanksgiving holiday. Do you think he's going to go off against his former team? I just believe that he's going to be ready for this game. He's been down a couple of games now, and especially when you're playing against your old team, guys that you're familiar with, that secondary, he's very familiar with those guys. He's looking to do work against those guys. Yeah, manage those emotions uh, throughout the week. I'm sure he's going to be excited about facing his former teammates. As much as he may want to have a big game, we need to stay within the framework of the office and not try to force anything. But I guarantee you, AJ's going to get his opportunities to play well in this game. It starts with Derrick Henry, but not only Derrick Henry, they line up with two tight ends. They line up with three tight ends. Derrick Henry has more runs out of 12 personnel with two tight ends and 13 personnel with three tight ends than any back in the NFL, and that's by a wide margin. And Henry is what we call an eye back, meaning he lines up seven, eight yards behind the quarterback who is under center, and the foundation of what they do in the run game is the zone run. The key with Henry to stop him is you want to get him to stop his feet. If you can get him to stop his feet, you've won half the battle. Now, keep in mind, we know how the Eagles like to play against base personnel offense. They will line up in their five-man base front. So they will essentially have a zero technique, a no shade, and two three techniques. So they're going to try to bottle up the middle and make it difficult for those cutback lanes. So that's going to be the big key in this game. That's where it's going to start. It will all start on the offensive side of the ball for the Titans with Derrick Henry and their zone run game. The Eagles and their base defensive front, five men across, they must line up and stop the run maybe better than they have in any game this season. That's the matchup. 
That's the challenge. You get the Titans into a third and long situation. I talked about last week earning the right to rush the passer. Well, that's when you get in situations, and Tannehill doesn't want third and long. You get in those situations where this team is not really good at, and then you can rush the passer and you can get hits on the quarterback. If Aaron Rodgers can be confused by this defense and Matt Ryan the week before, yeah. what's Ryan Tannehill going to do when they start moving people around? I love what Jonathan Gannon is doing with this defense now, especially on the back end. They're start, starting to do a lot of things that – leaves doubt in a quarterback's mind. And many times, that's all you need. It's a little bit of doubt. Put a little doubt in their mind by just moving the pieces around on the board and getting them confused, and you end up with good plays. With him throwing the ball in the middle of the field so much, you have to expect that some balls are going to be tipped, and so they have to be ready to play the tip drill that they practice every single day. And Reed Blankenship came in and actually led the Eagles in tackles after C.J. Gardner-Johnson went out. So C.J. is going to be out. Reed is in. How important is the tackling in the secondary? Because the Titans are one of the best teams yards after the catch. Well, it's huge. I mean, when you're looking, facing a team like the Tennessee Titans with King Henry back there, it's all about gang tackling. you got to get as many helmets to the football as possible. You're not going to bring Derrick Henry down with one guy, sometimes not even two guys. You're going to it's have to be gang tackling a team effort. Population into the football. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And how about the receiver Traylon Burks? And they've also got a young tight end. They're kind of stepping up now big in the passing game. Yeah, both those young guys are starting to play a lot of good football for them. And, and that's what they need. Their offensive line, they've been in disarray. A lot of moving parts on the offensive line, mostly because of injuries. If they're going to get it done, those young guys are going to have to step up and play well. And I tell you, with Traylon Burks, be careful. His speed is deceptive. He's a big kid, and they like to throw balls down to the field to him every once in a while. So we just can't fall asleep thinking that he's just a possession receiver or he's going to catch the ball underneath. They will throw it to him down the field. All right, so great stuff there from our Eagles game plan crew. And again, that entire show goes up digitally on Fridays across all Eagles channels. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, if you're local here to the area, you can check it out Sunday morning, 10 a.m. on NBC10. Great stuff there from the Eagles game plan crew. As always, thanks to them and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.